This is Overcoming Powerless Christianity, the podcast that helps you experience more of God's power in your everyday life. And now, here's your host, Mike Manuel. Hi everybody, it's Mike, and welcome to today's podcast on Overcoming Powerless Christianity. Today we're talking about why you might need to change your view of church. You know, in my own life, I've certainly had to change my view of church. I grew up going to church, grew up in a Christian family. That's just what we did. We went to a a mainline denomination growing up, sort of, I guess what you'd call an institutional church. And uh, and while I'm appreciative of that habit of going to church, and and while I'm very grateful for what I learned, I I did learn about Jesus, and I did learn about his death and resurrection, and and I I did learn some valuable things, but to be honest, church became became more like a duty. It, it became more like something you just, you had to do. And, and and I did feel good, I guess, you know, going to church, you feel like you're doing something right. But to be honest with you, it was it was kind of a grind. Although it, had, it did stick with me enough that mostly through my college years, I, I attended church. Uh, but a lot of people don't. And there's a big dropout rate, of course, when uh, kids leave home and go to college. And, and even with adults and, and older people, yeah, Less and less people are are going to church on Sundays, and um, and there's probably some some reasons for that, and and I think one of them is we the big reason is we don't really understand uh, what church is supposed to be about or or is about, and unfortunately there are a lot of church leaders and pastors that I I think don't really understand what church is supposed to be about. It It has become in many ways sort of institutional and and, and a, a duty, and that's just what you do to be a good Christian. And that's unfortunate because that's not the message of the Bible. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about the church, and Jesus had a lot to say about the church, and, and he took some pretty strong actions regarding that. And one thing is, as we talk about the church today that we need to really understand is that Religion and the church are two different things. You know, religion says, do this, do this, do this, and don't do this, and don't do this, and don't do this, and maybe, just maybe, you'll get to heaven. <laughs> but but that's not the message of Jesus Christ. That's not the gospel message. I mean, the gospel message is, is that Jesus died for people. He died that you could have a relationship with him, and, and that he took on your sin and gave gave us um, his righteousness so that we could be righteous in the Father's eyes. And it's all about people and relationship. It's not about do's and don'ts. Uh, Christianity is not behavior modification. Christianity is living a new life in Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. And and, and that's what the church is supposed to be about because it's made up of people. So uh, we need to really understand that Jesus did not die for religion. He died for the church because the church is the people. That's one of the the main things that we need to understand is we are the church. All believers of of all time, uh, true believers in Jesus Christ, no matter what your denominational label is, if you're a true believer in Jesus Christ, if you trust in him as your Lord and Savior, if you've received him and accepted him, like it says in John 1.12, then you are a child of God and you're you're the church. It's not an optional thing of of, um, that you get to decide whether or not you're Part of the church. You're, you're part of the church. In fact, the word uh, church in the Bible is used over a hundred times in the New Testament. And uh, the New Testament, which was written in Greek, uses that word church, well, like I said, over a hundred times, about 101 or 102 times. And the Greek word for church is ekklesia. Ekklesia is the Greek word, which again was the, the original language of the New Testament. And it literally means uh, an assembly 
or a congregation. Uh, a, a deeper meaning would be the called out ones. So it, it, it means an assembly of people, a congregation of people. Uh, so it, just by its own uh, definition, um, the word church, the Greek word ekklesia, means there's actually a group of people. They're called the called out ones. And a lot of people say, well, I, I, don't, need, I don't need to be with other people to do church. Well, y- yeah, you, you kind of do. And we're going to look at that more in today's podcast. But um, the church is both local and universal, too. We need to understand that, that the true church is made up of all believers uh, across the whole world, across the globe. Uh, Again, regardless of denominational labels, but if you're a true believer in Christ, you're part of the church. So there's that universal church, and the the Bible does talk about that, but it also talks more about the local church. And it certainly refers to the local church a lot. In fact, when Jesus was giving John his revelation, uh, as we know in the book of Revelation— he said, write these letters to the church in you know, Laodicea, or this church here, that church there. So he's talking about the local churches, and, and Paul talked a lot about the local churches and wrote letter to the local churches. So this idea of church is both universal and local, um, but we're, we're a part of that. And so not only are we part of the universal global church of all believers of Jesus Christ, but we're called to be part of, of the the local gathering, the local church, because the church is the body of Christ on earth. It's we're we're Jesus's physical representation on this earth, and the Bible tells us that. You know, Jesus is here on this earth, true uh, in spirit. He's he lives in the believer through the Holy Spirit. Uh, Holy Spirit resides in us, and Jesus said it's the spirit of Christ. All right, and so we have we have Jesus in us. And so in that sense, he is here, but he's not physically here like he was 2,000 years ago, and we are to be his hands and his feet. And uh, actually, Paul tells us that in Ephesians uh, chapter 1, verse 22, he says, And God placed all things under his feet, talking about Jesus, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. That would be the assembly, the congregation, the called out ones. That's us which is his body, so we're his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. All right, so that's what Paul says. He says, we're, we're, the, we're the body of Christ. We're like his physical body. And he even compares it to a physical body. In 1 Corinthians 12, he says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And he goes on to say this in uh, Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12, he says, All of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. So, again, it's not optional. We're we're a part of the body, and and we're all different parts. Some are hands, and some are feet, and some are eyes, and some are, well, other parts we won't talk about. But we're all called to—we're all— we're all part of this body and we all have important work to do and because Jesus said we're supposed to do what he did right in in John 14:12 he says i tell you whoever believes in me Jesus said you will do the same works i've been doing and even greater because i'm going to be with the father and and so you know what did Jesus do well he he, he healed people and he ministered to people and he uh, he was there for people, and he, he raised the dead and cleansed the lepers and cast out devils, and, and he told us in Matthew 10, 7, and 8, we're supposed to do the same thing. And and so if we're supposed to be doing that, uh, we need to work together as a body because uh, some people you know, have different giftings in different areas, and the Holy Spirit moves on people in, in different ways, and, and we, need to, um, we need to function as a body because we are the body of Christ. It's kind of interesting that uh, as we look at 
the original language that the Bible was written in, how it gives us a better understanding. And you may remember this. Uh, this is in Matthew 18, verse 20. Jesus is talking about you know, his people. And he says this, he said, For where two or three gather together as my followers, I'm there among them. And you've probably heard that verse before, right? Where two or three are gathered. And so I, I kind of, it piqued my interest, what that two or three gather together, that gathering. Uh, so I looked, I looked it up in, in the Greek, and that word gather in Greek is synago. It's where, it's where the, the Jews and, and the Hebrews, and the, we get the Old Testament word synagogue, right? Well, and it's used in the New Testament too, but, but synagogue is very similar. That'd be, the, that'd be like the Hebrew equivalent of ecclesia. It's the assembly. It's the congregation. It's the called out ones. But the idea of synago is actually um, that it's actually a place, and I know we say, well, the church isn't a, a building, and that's technically that's true. You know, the church is the people, and that's that's really true. And and yet there's this aspect in the word synago, which means gather together, which is similar to the word ecclesia, the, the assembly of people, the congregation, but it has to do with an actual place, an actual building. And of course, we know that uh, Jesus went to the synagogue every Sabbath, and, and he, he went to the the place where people gathered. And so it, it's just kind of interesting then when you look at this, what Jesus said in Matthew 18, 20, he says, for where two or three gather, synago, where they, where they gather together at a certain place, as my followers, I'm there among them. You see, that's, that's another reason why you can't do church by yourself, because there's something, there's a dynamic when, when believers get together and that the manifest presence of Jesus is just, well, it's greater, you know. And again, Jesus is, lives in all believers, and, and God is everywhere present. We know that. But there's also a biblical truth that, that when uh, th- there's uh, this manifestation of, of the presence of God, the presence of Christ, where you just sense his presence, it's just more real, it's more, uh, more revealed, and... Um, and that and, and Jesus was alluding to that, not alluding to that, he just pretty much outright said it in Matthew 18 20. He says, Where two or three gather together, synago, come together as an assembly, as a congregation in a certain place, there I am among them. And so again, that's a reason why you may have to change the way you view church because uh it 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 is a gathering of people, and it it can mean in a certain location. And Jesus referred to that when he talked about this in Matthew eighteen twenty. And so you you can't do church by yourself. Now uh, I live uh, on the Rocky Mountain Front. It's a beautiful beautiful area, and it's just a half hour drive to to wilderness areas right in the heart of the Rocky Mountains. And uh, a lot of people in our area, uh, you know, they're they're good people. A lot of good good people, not necessarily churchgoers or even really maybe Christian, but um, I guess I think they probably have a sense there is a God. And a lot of people say around here, um, they say, well, my my church is the mountains. My, my church is in the mountains. Maybe you've heard that. Or maybe if you live along the coast uh, uh, where people, you know, spend a lot of time on the ocean, maybe you've heard people say, well, my the ocean's my church or, the you know, the water's my church or, you know, whatever. Uh, nature is my church. Well, we thank we thank God for the mountains and the ocean and nature, but that that can't be your church unless there's an, a, a group of people that meet there in the name of Jesus, and uh, in, unless that's happening, it's not a church. Now, uh, I 
I do know that when I go to the mountains, I do feel closer to God. I really sense God's presence. I mean, you get out in His creation, and it's just you're just awestruck. And there, there's something about this. Um, wow, God, you were real. You just really sense the presence of God. Now, I think that's what people are alluding to. Even even people that maybe aren't that close to God feel closer to God when when they get in the mountains or when they get out on the ocean or you know when they're in nature. That's just you know just where it's beautiful, kind of takes their breath away. I understand that. I get that. In fact, I'll go as far to say if you're in the if you're in the mountains and uh, you're not feeling closer to God, then probably something's the matter with you. But uh, anyway, the mountains aren't your church. The ocean's not your church. The, the people where when and where they gather that's that's your church, and uh, and so we need to 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 understand we can't do church by ourselves. And and more and more people are thinking that. And uh, it's like, that's not biblical. I, I think people just, you know, they want to go to church on their iPad or whatever. And, and uh, that's, that's, that's difficult to do. Here's a, here's a, a point I want to make uh, in today's podcast that it might be a little controversial, but you just need to hear me out on this. And that's this, that church participation is not optional for followers of Christ. Okay, let me just say that again. Church participation is not optional for, for followers of Christ. Now, just hang with me, and I'm just going to tell you why I, I say that. It's not my opinion. It's it's based on what the Bible says. You know, Jesus says, uh, he uses the phrase, follow me, 21 times in the New Testament. So 21 times Jesus tells people, follow me. And so um, we have to decide, are we going to follow Christ or, or, or are we not? In other words, um, I mean, how, how do I want to say this? A lot of people accept Christ as their Savior basically to get their get-out-of-hell-free card. <laughs> and I understand that. I mean, I, I, uh, there was a time in my life where that was a big motivation. There was a time in my life where I don't want to go to hell. I believe hell is real. The Bible says it's real. Jesus said it's real. And I don't want to go there. And I I, I I know there's a lot of people that um, that trust in Jesus um, and but mainly so they don't go to hell and 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 that's not invalid but if that's your if that's your main uh, I guess connection with Jesus you're <laughs> you're missing a lot of what he has for you and I'm not saying you're not saved because he does save you from hell and we know that salvation is, is not works okay we don't work to be saved but we're saved to do works okay works don't save us but once we get saved we're called to do works and that's that following Jesus part of it when he says follow me he says you need to you need to pick up your cross deny yourself and follow me now again that's not as a means to salvation that's basically an evidence of salvation or because of our salvation and so uh, when I say church participation is not optional for the for followers of Christ I am not saying that you're going to hell if you don't go to church because I, I don't I can't find that in the Bible that that's it I don't is I don't believe that's true however if you're really going to follow Christ like he asked you to do then you will go to church because um, well I'm gonna I'm gonna point out some of the reasons why and and I'm, and when I'm not when I'm talking about church participation I'm not just talking about attendance I mean you you can attend church and not participate in fact sadly uh, I think a lot of people attend church without participating I'm talking about not going to church necessarily I'm talking about being the church being that body of Christ being that physical representation of Jesus on this earth 
because you can go to church and not be the church. But uh, anyway, here's what Jesus had to say about the church, and, and this is in Matthew 16, 18, and he says, uh, he says this, he says, And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Maybe you've heard that verse before too. And I, I, I want to talk about when he talks about building his church. So Jesus is building his church, okay? From what we just learned, what is the church? It's the assembly. It's the congregation, the called out ones who gather uh, even in a, a particular place, all right? He's building that. So if Jesus is building that, like he says he is, and he is, and you're not participating, are you, are you really following Jesus? Again, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that you're not saved or you're, you're not going to heaven if you don't go to church. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that once you do get saved, once you do trust in Jesus for your salvation and your, your ticket of rescue out of hell, you, he asks you to follow him. And, and being part of the church is following him because he's saying, I'm building my church. And if he's building it and we're not, and we're not part of it, then we're really, really not following him. Uh, this verse is really interesting in Matthew 16, 18. I want to just expound on that just a little bit uh, because Jesus said, not only says, I will build my church, but he also says the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now for for years, I, I just thought, I, actually I wasn't really sure what that meant. I just thought, okay, uh, there's gates in hell and it, it keeps bad people in and good people out. And I, I just never really developed a, a I guess, a theology of, of what that meant. But I, I, I begin to think about that now. <laughs> what are the, we're, and obviously I'm, I'm sure the gates of hell are a metaphor, but um, I'm like, what does that mean? Are those gates to keep people in or to keep people out? What are the gates of hell? And so I, I began to, to research that and study that out. And um, the word prevail means to be, to be strong enough. Okay, that's what the word in, in the original language the New Testament was written in, Greek. The word prevail means to be strong enough. So the word not prevail means it's not strong enough. And so if you read it this way, it would, it would, say, it would read something like this. The gates of hell are not strong enough. <laughs> it's like, well, not strong enough for what? Are people busting out or, or, or whatever? But, but really, when you, when you look at what Jesus did and what he said, he's asking us to to crash the gates of hell and take back what the enemy has stolen. I don't know about you, but the enemy has stolen things from my life. And for a while, he, he stole my eternal life and, and, he, and he stole my abundant life. And, 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 you know, and Jesus went and got that back. I, I understand, but we're called, we're called to, gra to, to crash the gates of hell and, and, and get back what the enemy has stolen. And, and for, for a lot of you, maybe he's, he's stolen relationships or he's stolen your joy. He's stolen your peace. He's, he's stolen your hope. Uh, he, all, there's so many things that the enemy steals that, that we got, we got to get back. And, and the gates of hell, it's, uh, Jesus says, aren't strong enough to hold us. Now, I'm not, I'm not talking about doing stupid stuff, but I'm talking, again, metaphorically speaking, but spiritually speaking, we're, we're to, 
as a church, which is the called out ones, the assembly, we're to band together and we're to take back what the enemy has stolen. We're to crash the gates of hell because they're not strong enough, Jesus said, and we're to take back what the, what the enemy has stolen. Now, I don't know about you, but that, I mean, that kind of charges me up. I mean, that gives me like, that gives me a reason to get out of bed in the morning. Like, come on, let's go. You know, that's, you know, and I'm, I'm getting older and I, you know, I'm like, I, I can't do physical battle. I, I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm, I'm just, I, I just don't have the physical stamina I used to have, but spiritually, I feel like I'm 19 years old. You know, I, I feel like, man, we can, we can go for it because, uh, because we have the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said with the Holy Spirit, all things are possible. So anyway, I, I just thought it was really, really interesting uh, that that Jesus talks about this idea that he's building the church and that the gates of hell will not prevail and that we're called to charge the gates of hell as a church, as a body. And we're not... Uh, we're not probably strong enough to do that individually. Jesus isn't telling us to do that individually. He's not telling you to be the Lone Ranger and go in there and, you know, do the Chuck Norris thing or whatever. We're, you know, we're called to, to go as a body. And, and, and that's one of the important functions of the church is to, to, to take back the kingdom of the devil and take back the, the, the things he's stolen and, and advance the kingdom of heaven here on earth. That's what the, the Lord's Prayer says, right? The the will of uh, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, right? So let's go back and, and take back what the enemy's stolen. A lot of people might say, maybe you've heard this, maybe you've said it yourself, say, well, I don't I don't believe in, in organized religion. Uh, well, it, it, Jesus didn't die for religion. I said that earlier. And Jesus railed against religion, which is, again, religion is to do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this. And maybe if you're lucky, you'll make it to heaven. All right. That's, that's what religion does. Christianity, again, is different. We've, we talked about that earlier. So did Jesus, um, did he believe in organized religion? No. Now, organized religion is something he, he rallied against. But apparently Jesus believes in the organized church. All right, he does. He didn't die for a, a religion, but he did die for a church, which is people. And he does believe it should be organized. Um, and I can prove it to you. Here's what here's what the Bible says in Ephesians four eleven and twelve. It says, "Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church: the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ." Okay, now we know that the Holy Spirit gives gifts to all believers, right? Uh, and, and we'll talk about that in another podcast. But we're not talking about gifts of the Spirit to all believers here. In Ephesians 4.11, Paul's talking about gifts that Jesus gave to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It says their responsibility is to equip God's people to do the work of the ministry, right? So to me, I don't know, that sounds like organization. He's... You see, everybody's called to minister. Everybody, every believer is called to be a minister, but not every believer is called to be a pastor or a teacher or an apostle or an evangelist or a prophet. Those are, those are certain people God has called to lead and organize His church, the church that He's building. And so, so apparently He believes in the organized church because He gave these gifts of organizers to the church to organize the church. So if anybody ever says, well, Jesus doesn't believe in the organized church, like, well, yeah, he does. He 
he sent the organizers, he calls the organizers to do that. So, uh, so that, that's, that's a proof there. Uh, and again, he, he's building his church. He's building his church to, to advance the kingdom of heaven here on earth. The organized church is not only to equip people. We, we just talked about that, and that's a, a huge one. That big reason the organized church exists and that Jesus is building it is, is to, um, to advance the kingdom of heaven here on earth, and people have to be equipped to do that. And that's what apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers do. But, but we're also, the church is also to be an encourager to each other. And this is what the Bible says in Hebrews 10.25. It says, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. You've, you've probably read this before. Maybe a lot of pastors have used this to kind of beat you over there, like, you need to be in church. But again, I thought, well, let me just look this up and see what this says in the original language. And I was really enlightened in what I learned, and I'm going to share it with you right now. The word meeting, it says, uh, uh, remember, I've got to find this here, do not neglect our meeting neglect are meeting together. That word meeting in the original language of the New Testament, which is Greek, is episynagoge. Okay, do you remember I talked about the word earlier that, that has to do with, with church, like the gathering in a certain place? Uh, synago. Okay, this word meeting is very closely related to that. It's episynagoge, which means the, the meeting together. It's an assembling, a gathering Again, because it's synagogue, it has to do with a, a certain place or location. So when when people say, "Oh, you don't have you don't have to go to church to to be part of the church," well, yeah, the Bible says you kind of do, <laughs> um, because it's important we be together as a body, but and not just to advance the kingdom of heaven here on earth, which is huge, but also just to be an encouragement to each other, and we we need that. You know, it's just like a a a, a coal in a campfire. If you ever built a campfire. You notice as long as the coals kind of all stay together, they keep glowing and they, they keep they keep hot. But if there's one off to the side, it goes out quickly because there's it doesn't it's it's it doesn't have the rest of them to help help keep it going. And and we're kind of like that in the church. If if as long as we're together in the church, we kind of keep each other glowing and keep each other kind of on fire. But as we pull out, pull away, we're like that that uh, piece of wood that be just begins to just kind of um, dwindle and go out. There's nothing to, to keep it going. And, and we're called to be together, and we're called to encourage one another. And this meeting together, episynagoge in Greek, literally means the assembling and gathering together in a certain, in a certain location. So... I really hope that this uh, this podcast has helped you get an understanding of really what the church needs to be about. We do need to be part of the church. You need to be a part of the church. Actually, you are a part of the church, whether you go or not. But but you need to to not just go to church. You need to be the church. And and maybe you're maybe you're attending a church now that that doesn't see it quite like this. It's more maybe more institutional and and uh, maybe they just don't get this vision of of you know, crashing the gates of hell and taking back what the enemy has stolen. And, and maybe they don't get the vision of advancing the kingdom of heaven here on earth like Jesus told us to do. And, you know, if maybe you can be an agent of change in your church. I don't know. Maybe, and I, I'm really hesitant to, to say this, but maybe, you know, sometimes that's where it's time to maybe make a change to a church that <laughs> that does get it, that that is 
understands we're to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. And I'm not, I'm not in favor of church hoppers. I'm not in favor of that. But I do know that from time to time, God does move people from one church to another because sometimes churches just lose their vision and they lose their way. And, and we should be there to kind of help because we are the church, right? We're the people. Help them get that vision and, and help them kind of grab hold of that and do what Jesus called us to do. But if if the church is just not going to do that, no way, no how, then maybe, well, maybe you need to find a church that does because you need a church like that and they need you because you're you're a part of the church. So so let's not just be people who, who go to church. Let's be people who are the church. Well, I hope today's podcast of why you might need to change your view of the church was helpful to you today. Uh, if it was, maybe you'd like to share it on Facebook or Twitter or uh, send somebody a link via email, and uh, it's easy to do that. So thank you for listening to today's podcast on Overcoming Powerless Christianity. Look forward to talking to you in our next podcast. See you soon, folks. <laughs>